folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with Sam Ekstrom. And Sam and I literally just walked off the golf course and it was um, an interesting experience. I did the worst thing that I could possibly do, which is have my best hole that I've had in a long time in May, which means the whole rest of the summer I probably cannot top this par five birdie that I had today. And and that's that's going to be hell for me, Sam. I'm going to be chasing it all summer long. I am not trying to humble brag because the rest of the outing was not that great for me. But this one hole, now I'm going to think every par five, well, I mean, I should be birdieing this thing, right, all summer long, and it won't happen again. Yeah, that's golf. I mean, you gave me a thrill because I was standing behind your second shot. And for a brief moment in time, as it hung up in the wind, I thought that is right at the pin you might have a double eagle albatross, sir. And, you know, landed a little right, a little short. You two-putted for birdie. But for that brief moment in time, you and I got to, to envision what that moment would have been like. Pretty it was special. Like the, right. It was like the Titanic music in my head. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know how it goes. But, you know, like watching it as it went toward the pin. So it ends up a little bit right. I tap it next to the hole, tap it in, get a birdie. And then I won't do that again all summer long. And uh, so I'll, I'll be chasing that one. You and I played with Brian Murphy, who's surprisingly good at golf. Um, so he's uninvited for the rest of the year. Uh, I wanted to, and this is the thing too, Brian Murphy, this is, here's your transition. Murphy wants to gamble and I had to buy him lunch last time. So we did not gamble today because he's better than we are. So, uh, speaking of gambling, the Westgate Superbook or Westgate, whatever it is, sports book has put out its NFL Superbook where it has odds on every single NFL game this year. Now, Sam, before we started, I already told you how many games the Vikings are favored by Westgate Sportsbook. But how many would you have guessed that they would have been favored if I didn't tell you? Well, I think the, you know, the, the favoritism generally is going to fit the win total that Vegas has set, which I believe for the Vikings is eight and a half, nine. Eight and a half, yep, yep. So, so I would have guessed nine-ish, which is, you know, as I know now, the answer. But I think it probably would have been projecting a 500 to slightly above 500 season. So I, I want to talk about um, 
some of these games and the lines on them, because I always think it's fascinating to think about what a, a purely objective system of being right about sports results says about your team. That's always interesting to me because you could say, oh, well, you know, you're too deep in the weeds or you're too critical or you're not critical enough about reporters or about fans. But when it's Vegas, they're doing it for the money, man. They are the most motivated people to try and get these right. But yet still, some of the lines are very interesting and worth discussing. But let me ask you this question first. If the Vikings went 9-7-1, and which, hey, Kirk Cousins has two ties in his career. If they went 9-7-1, and thanks, Daniel Carlson, um, what, what, what would that mean to you if that ended up being the result of the Vikings season? I think that's the end of Kirk. I think that's like if we're in the beginning of the end right now, that pushes us like past the apex. Like we are in the end of the end. I think we're in the closing stages because that is another quintessential Kirk with the Vikings season. Um, eight or nine wins. That's kind of the average right around the 500 mark. That's Kirk's career. And I think that pushes us closer to Kellen Mond or whoever comes next, but especially the tie. I mean, that's just too perfect, right? That is too um, like on, on the book as being what Kirk Cousins is kind of as a quarterback. And, and I guess we don't know for sure how that nine, seven and one comes about, but it's kind of hilarious. And um, and it's more relatable because it's not ten and seven, it's not nine and eight. One of the new fangled records. No, it's nine seven, parentheses and one. I also think that that would be move on from Kirk because what that would mean is that is a peak of ten wins, even when they gave you a shot at another one. <laughs> and, and and regardless of how much you want to value or put all of the win-loss record on Cousins, which we know is, is not entirely fair ever, especially last year. It's not fair to say you were 7-9, and nine, but if they were an average defense, you're probably 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, right? So um, it's hard to look at it and say, oh, well, you know, if they had been better on defense, they would have won way more games when they previously had good defenses and didn't win way more games. So I, I agree with you that, Nine seven and one would mean all right. We've got to find a way to get past that, and that means creating more cap space and trying to get the same level of quarterback play, only for a lot cheaper, would be the next step. I think nine seven and one would indicate that you were going in the right direction. From seven and nine, it would mean an improvement in defense. Your offense probably stays the same, but you just don't have that extra juice, whether it's from the quarterback or the roster, to get past some of the better teams, which is this cycle that we've been sitting in for a while. Now, about the general manager and the head coach, a 9-7-1 season, I don't know if that's it for Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. I, there is a lot of pressure on both of them, I think, this year to be very good and to get into the playoffs and to succeed in the playoffs. At the same time, if it played out the way that the sports book says it's going to play out, if it just was to a T, right down to the tie, that would mean what? It would mean that they lose the games that are important. They win the games they're supposed to win. This has been who the Vikings are of the last few years. And how about this stat? I yelled this to you on the golf course today. That Kirk, I yelled at you to shut up. No I know. Stat. I know. You hit a good drive after, swing. I think. So, yeah. Well, that's what you get for golfing with me. Um not, not that it matters. I think it helps you. I think it helps to distract you. Anyway, um, so Cousins against the Detroit Lions last three years, 
under Matt Patricia, a complete joke of a team, uh, 6-0 and over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Against everyone else, he's below 500. And, and you get to say this for the franchise or for Kirk Cousins. That means every big game you've pretty much lost almost across the board. You are a sub-500 team when not playing the joke of your division. Not where you want to be over the last three years. So if that's the case for this year, I don't know whether they move on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, but I think if they, I think that they would want to give them one more shot with a different quarterback, but you'd also be going on like eight years of kind of the same thing. So I, I'm not really sure what nine, seven and one would do for the head coach and general manager. Yeah, I don't either. And it still go, comes down to how do you get there? Um, is your defense fantastic? with Mike Zimmer sort of engineering it, because that's motivation to keep him around. Uh, was Clint Kubiak the the root reason why the offense didn't succeed? You know, did, did Kirk have a better season? Um, you know, did people get hurt? Did the offensive line fall apart? The rookies didn't work out. There is nuance that has to be taken into account. And um, I, I think we know by now that Kirk is not the type of quarterback that's going to overcome sort of those nuances that go against him. So to me, that is still reason to move on from Kirk if he can't overcome issues. I don't know if it's enough reason to move on from your coach. I, I tend to think that Zimmer's not going to get an extension at 9-7-1, and one, um, and I don't know if he's the one you want ushering in a new quarterback. We haven't, we haven't had this for a while, like, uh, you know, since Teddy, really, and that was very early in, in Zimmer's career. So I, I'm going to give you the IDK on that one. And I want to sort of circle back because I don't want to lose this. Some of these early season lines that you pointed out to me on Westgate are kind of interesting. Now, have you looked at the individual games? That that, that was my next plan. Okay, go, go, go for it. it. Yeah, so I team, wanted to go through up. a few of them. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so let, let's do that because I'm also with you. I don't know. And I think what the Wilfs would have to hear at 9-7-1 because that you might be in the playoffs, you might not. In the NFC this year, you probably make it at nine, seven, and one, um, but that's likely a seven seed and at best a six seed. And how is that better? The the best you've done as an organization since bringing in Kirk Cousins is a six seed. And so a six and a seven. I mean, is that going to say to the ownership, oh yeah, you're you're right on the right track? I mean, maybe, and depending on how it looks for sure, but. I don't know. I mean, if they wanted to say we're going to have a different quarterback and we're going to have an offensive coach and that's how we're going to do this, then I guess if they went nine, seven, one, who could really blame them? You wouldn't say, oh, Zimmer, you're a terrible coach. No one thinks that Zimmer sets you at a bar just like Mike Tomlin does in Pittsburgh and a lot of the other good coaches. Ron Rivera does this too. He sets you at a bar of being a good team and a competitive team. You're never even last year when they struggled, you're never going to be garbage with Mike Zimmer as your coach. But the question they'll have to ask is if they go nine, seven and one, can we do better than that with an offensive coach or, or something of the like? So anyway, <clears throat> all right. Uh, the first, first week, whatever, Cincinnati Vikings are favored. Yeah. Okay. The second week I found it interesting that Arizona is a three and a half point favorite, which I am learning more about how Vegas works. This basically means that these two teams are pretty equal except for Arizona is at home. So I don't know if that stuck out to you or not, but I agree with that. I I think that the Vikings and Cardinals are pretty similar teams. Yeah. I was just struck that the lines would indicate that Vegas thinks the Vikings are six points better against Cincinnati than against Arizona. And maybe that means I'm more optimistic 
about Cincinnati than I should be because I, I feel like with a, a pretty nice draft class, they've got a lot of momentum with that organization. With Burrow coming back, he'll probably be playing week one. Um, and if he is, I think that line probably comes back a little closer to a pick em. Um, but again, I'm, I'm kind of bearish on Arizona. Like I, I didn't like the way they faded last year. I'm, I'm not totally bought in on Cliff Kingsbury like you. Um, so I, I, I feel like that, no, you gave me an odd look there. Not like me. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm out on Cliff Kingsbury. That's what, no, no, yeah. you misinterpreted <laughs> me. I'm saying like you. I am out on Cliff Kingsbury. That was my intention. Oh, oh, okay. See, I thought you meant you're not out on Cliff Kingsbury. No, I agree okay. with you about Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, okay. He's okay. he's not amazing um, yet. Maybe he'll prove that he is. But, um, yeah, I, I felt like that was an interesting flip from a three-point favorite against Cincinnati to a three-and-a-half-point underdog in Arizona. Um, that that struck me as interesting. And in, the week one results could influence that a lot. Week one is hard with Cincinnati because they really have to prove it before I can believe that they're going to be any sort of competitive team, right? That's probably why it is where it is. If we're not even 100% certain that Joe Burrow is going to start with his health situation, even if he does, it's kind of like a leap of faith a little bit. Trajectories of teams would indicate that, you know, your second year with a rookie quarterback contract, a high draft pick wide receiver, they should take a step forward. How much better they are, though, I, th- I thought that was kind of fair. Um, but Arizona, yes, you and I are on the same page and not buying into Cliff Kingsbury. And so I think that that's fair to say, yes, the home field advantage matters, but you guys aren't that different of a team. We'll see what kind of factor like J.J. Watt is there. I don't know if that's a complete game changer or not. He's still good, but he's got an injury history. He's not the same player that he was before where you'd like move a line for J.J. Watt. That might have been the case when he was – you know, defensive MVP level player. Now the, the, the two home games, and I won't go through every single one of these, but the two home games, yeah. Seattle, the Vikings are slightly favored by one and a half. And then they are underdogs to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, is Vegas being like a little harsh on Seattle here? They still have Russell Wilson as their quarterback. They went 12 and four last year and maybe a little bit aggressive on the Browns. Now, you know that I like Cleveland and Kevin Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski revenge game. I picked the Browns to win this game. Um, But I just, I thought it was kind of interesting that they seem to think the Browns are going to be a better team or a more formidable foe than the Seattle Seahawks. That struck me too. That's why I wanted to get to this because do they, is Vegas taking into account like the games that are happening prior? Do they think Seattle is going to be 0-2? Because they do have some tough games like Indianapolis on the road. Okay, I could see them losing that. Then the Titans back at home at, at Lumen Field. Maybe the Titans have a good running game, but I still I, – it, it, I have a hard time believing that, you know, Seattle in sort of like a climate-controlled place, it's not like weather is going to be a factor for Russell Wilson, that – Minnesota would be favored there, especially with Minnesota coming off two road games. Um, and Vegas thinks Minnesota is going to be one and one. Uh, so I didn't get that. I think that tells me that Cleveland is getting a ton of credit. Now, in the overall article, Collar, where, what does Vegas project Cleveland as against the spread? Oh, uh, I don't remember. We should look that up. <laughs> I, 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 don't have, I don't have that right here. Because if Cleveland is getting favored in a pretty tough place to play, against a team like the Vikings that's kind of, you know, just above the 500 mark, then they're probably getting a lot of credit in a lot of places. 
Yeah, I just had to go through with this and manually add up every single game for the Vikings. So it doesn't have like every team's projected record. Um, but I noticed that I think Kansas City is favored in like 16 out of 17 games. So some of yeah. these things probably won't come to fruition exactly. But I know that Cleveland in just general over-unders is getting a ton of attention. I think that they might might be like a 10, 10 and a half. I, I, I mean, Vegas is really buying Cleveland. I am buying Cleveland as well. but you know, coming to U.S. Bank Stadium, there's going to be fans there. I don't know. Um, I, th- I thought that that one was more fair than Seattle. I actually would have thought that Seattle – it would have been the other way around, that Seattle, with their recent history against the Vikings, would have been favored, and then Cleveland not favored as the more unproven type of team. And so I guess I'd, I'd be interested to see what Seattle's win-loss totals are from Vegas because I, I would go the over without even knowing. It just like, – Look who your quarterback is. Look who your top receivers are. You're going to be good, I think, with Seattle. Uh, I don't trust any of the other NFC West teams. I don't trust San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo slash Trey Lance. I really am not high on the Los Angeles Rams. And, um, you know, Arizona, we just talked about how we questioned them. So I think Seattle, I would still pick them to win that division. And I would pick them probably to beat the Vikings. Um, Real quick, I just tallied up the Browns. I think if I did it right. Vegas has them 13-2-2. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is way too aggressive. That's way too aggressive. That is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Baker Mayfield, and if we figure that the quarterback is what determines these the most, Baker Mayfield had a good season last year. He had like a 95 quarterback rating. I mean, that's, I mean, it's not like this is Patrick Mahomes here, Aaron Rodgers MVP. I, I think they could be good, but they're getting a little too much credit. Now, the one that fans were the most upset about with these lines was the pick em at Carolina, which basically suggests that Vegas thinks that the Vikings are three points better than Carolina, so it's a pick em by going on the road. Um, I don't know what we're supposed to think of Carolina. Like my projection is that Carolina is terrible again and that they're going to finish last in their division. And everyone's going to be looking at Matt rule and saying, you got a seven year contract or six year contract where they, you know, on drugs. But I don't think Vegas can really strongly say one way or the other with a new quarterback in town and not knowing what Sam Darnold will do. This one will be different by the time we get there. My guess is that by the time we get there, the Vikings will be favored. Real quick um, note, Seattle, 9-7-1 projected, 9-7-1. I'll go over, over, 100%. Has Russell Wilson ever won less than 10 games? I don't think he has. Yeah, I don't think so. He certainly, and he certainly never lost to the Vikings, which is why it's interesting the Vikings are favored. But you brought up the week six game. Like, how, how are the the Panthers getting more respect than the Bengals? Like, by three points, too, with a, with a quarterback that's done nothing and a coach that's had his credibility undermined, and they lost, like, their second-best offensive weapon in Curtis Samuel. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, like I said on a previous show, I believe – they got to have that draft class, like all those second-year defensive players, come around and play way better. Like Derek Brown has to be a force on the inside. But I, I'm sure Carolina is well below the 500 mark in the Vegas projection. I would guess six, ten, and one range, with the one being against the Vikings. I mean, that's that, that's a strange one to me. That that is pretty strange. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. 
Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade-style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And, of course, there's much, much more if you go to SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them at Soda Stick Co. on Twitter. Go to SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. I just think that sometimes, and this might not be true for Cincinnati, maybe being that they're Cincinnati, no one's going to give them any respect, that sometimes when a team has been all the way down at the bottom, and this does bear out, our buddy Eric Eager did a statistical study on this, the teams at the bottom are likely, and this sort of stands to reason, to bounce back within the next couple of years. It doesn't always happen, Cleveland and the New York Jets, but it usually does. And so I think Vegas is probably leaning on that a little like, oh, okay, they're the team that drafted a bunch of players and they should be bouncing back and so forth. I just don't believe in in, uh, Matt Rule at all. Maybe these coaches should go by Matthew instead of Matt and then they wouldn't be so bad. Is there five, 10 and two, Panthers at five, 10 and two, any legendary NFL coach named Matt? Nope. Got to go by Matthew. It's just a better choice. Are there there uh, any other Matt's that have tried? Someone's gonna I can't have think to, of it. Someone's going to have to inform me on this. I, I don't know. I don't know. Matt Matt might be more of a uh, journeyman backup quarterback name, like Matt Moore. Let, anyway. let, let, people will love this content. I'm going to go to Pro Football Reference, and See I'm going to type Hall in – Hall of Fame Matt coaches. I'm going to type in Matt, and under executives, one of the great executives of all time, Matt Millen. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, so this, is my, this is exactly LaFleur, my point. Matt exactly. LaFleur, Matt Patricia, oh, Matt, Matt Nagy. LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is a good coach. Matt Nagy, you know, people like think Matt Nagy is terrible. I think it's good what Matt Nagy has done for Chicago. He often beats the Vikings with what he's had. They gave him Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky last year, and they made the playoffs. So I don't think he – I just sometimes I feel like they act like he just doesn't know what he's doing at all, and yet his team has been competitive every year where he's there without a good quarterback. So anyway, that's total aside. Um, the pivotal game, in my opinion, of the entire season has the Vikings favored, which is Sunday night football, Vikings and Dallas Cowboys, but only favored by two. 
are you buying early Dallas Cowboys stock? Uh, no. Because this no, would suggest I'm... that the Cowboys are a little better than the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on the Cowboys, and I feel like that's deserved based on what they've done the last four years. Since the Prescott rookie year, they haven't won more than 10 games. Uh, Prescott obviously coming off injury. I don't know if the offensive line is trustworthy again, and they're trying to rebuild that defense, but I'm underwhelmed by Elliott last couple of years. I think the receiving core is awesome, and but I think they have weaknesses on that team, and they're overpaying their running back. They, you know, drafted a linebacker first round, which is not an awesome positional value. And I've got my doubts. I, I still need to to see Prescott like have kind of kind of the back up his rookie season because he hasn't necessarily done it yet, even though I really like him as a player. And I think he's really good. I don't know if it's been it's been coaching in large measure. And I still don't trust the coach they have now. I don't know if I love McCarthy. So I am not buying the Cowboys stock. But we mentioned today on the golf course, that Sunday night game feels very much to me like 2018 Vikings Saints. It was the rematch of the Miracle game. It might have been coming off a bye. I can't remember for sure, but I think the Vikings were like 5-3-1. and one, And it was really a pivot point of the season because they lost. Um, Thielen had a big fumble. Cousins and Diggs had a big communication, which was kind of foreshadowing for the rest of that year, um, had the pick six. They had like an eight-minute drive in the fourth quarter for a meaningless garbage time touchdown. It was very synonymous for the 2018 Vikings, and it sent them spiraling. John Filippo was not employed much longer after that. And the Cowboys game this year feels very much the same because after that, you're going into that four of five on the road stretch. Um, you, you hope to be coming into that game like four and two or five and one. So it's going to be a gigantic game on a national stage that you can't afford to lose because you need to bank up wins before that brutal road stretch. So I, I've, I point to that as one of the big pivot points of the season. Hmm. That just sort of popped into my head of like, when, when you're playing always these eight and eight, yeah, aside from the 13 and three, but even then when you're playing these sort of middling seasons, you get that with every single season. But even in 2017, the pivot point of the season was in Chicago when Case Keenum came off the bench. If they don't win that game, I'm, I'm sure that they still have a good season, but they end up with home field and the two weeks off because of that, um, because of Harrison Smith getting the interception at the end of the game in 2017. And it feels like every year has had one of those, even going back to 2016, where they go to Chicago and they lose to Jay Cutler and Jordan Howard as a huge game. And that sends the whole thing tumbling down. And by the same token, in 2019, when they went to New York, after everything was burning to the ground, after truth mm -hmm. to all rumors, which remains my reaction, if anyone follows me on Twitter, my reaction um, is my Twitter picture to Stefan Diggs saying there's truth to all rumors. Like the minute he said it, that's my face. So you and Mike I, Max. Yes. Somebody else was videotaping it from the side and I was in the background of the picture and that's when he said it. And me and Max looked at him like what? And so that's the, yeah, that's that picture. But it's, it's always interesting to think about. And if I were picking one game to be that, I agree that it would be this Dallas game. So I'm, looking through the rest of the lines and they're kind of like what you would think. I don't know what to do with green Bay. Like the Vikings are favored at home. They're not favored on the road. We just don't, we just don't know. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers comes back, then the Vikings will probably be underdogs. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers is an interesting one. This is one where I think the Vikings 
And this is just my not belief in the Pittsburgh Steelers. On Thursday night football, Vikings are only two and a half point favorites, which I think should be more. But I guess we're so deep in the season at this point that, you know, who knows? It'll be different than what it is now. If I was projecting it right now, I think the Vikings will be much better than the Steelers because I have the Steelers being a bad team. I don't know if you feel as strongly. I think they're like a 7-10 type of team where Roethlisberger is just bad and their defense isn't as good as it was last year. This whole, I saw the internet was mad at Cam Hayward for saying he wants Najee Harris to tote the rock. Never stop saying tote the rock, everyone. Love that. But I don't think they're good. I think the Vikings should be favored by a lot at home for that game. Yeah, I think we talked about this on the schedule release show on WCCO. It feels like... Pittsburgh's hanging on one year too long. I mean, they've gone 17 seasons now, I think, without being under 500. So they don't know what it's like to have a losing team. And I can see where they would convince themselves that, you know, the 11-0 version of last year's group is the reality and the the 1-5 finishes is kind of the exception. But I think it might be reversed. I think that might have kind of exposed them for who they really were. I think Roethlisberger is in his absolute twilight. I don't know what he has left, and his massive pay cut would reflect that. And the fact that they kind of bent over backwards to make sure that, you know, they they kept him around tells you that they're going to go down, you know, with him and probably play him all 17 games, no matter, you know, how it's going. And that makes sense. He deserves that. Um, they don't want to Eli Manning it where they, like, bench him for who, – who did Eli Manning get benched for, like, inexplicably – a couple of years ago, Geno Smith or something it was Geno absurd. Smith. Yeah. 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 Couldn't believe that. I, I think Pittsburgh's going to run the string out with Roethlisberger and you're right. It might be five and 12, six and 11, seven and 10 kind of year. But as I said on the schedule release show, it's Thursday night, you know, it's Roethlisberger. He's going to have, he's going to have some magic at some point this year and it's Thursday and it's wacky and, and I would be nervous about it, to be honest with you. I, Tomlin is one of those baseline coaches that you brought up who's going to have a somewhat competitive team no matter what, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I can't, I can't give that one in pen to Minnesota yet. That would be a stupid one to lose, though, if Pittsburgh is bad because, I mean, then you go into the divisional gauntlet where I believe you have Chicago – um, Green Bay, Chicago, kind of to end the year. Um, so that, that would be a horrible, horrible game to lose at home on Thursday. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out ScoutLogistics.com or call 855 217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I will give you this, that every year 
the Vikings of their existence. There's one game where we think, oh, you're good. Yeah, that one. And when they go to play Pittsburgh or with their home to play Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh might at that time be a below 500 team. And we'll all be saying, oh, this is, you know, the Vikings, uh, the momentum they need is winning this game and then going into the final stretch. And then, you know, I mean, it, w- it would be very sort of Vikings-ish to have that one. Only a one-point underdog on the road at Soldier Field, Vegas. Come on. Google Vikings at Soldier Field, Vegas. Come on. Yeah, seriously. I mean, if you're going to make them seven-point underdogs at Baltimore and San Francisco, then they need to be at least 12-point underdogs at Soldier Field because they've got way worse mojo there. Are you you buying – I am buying that Baltimore will be really good still. I don't think that's changing. I think Rashad Bateman helps them a lot. Um, San Francisco, though, I just don't know what to think. And this is this is why even these lines right here, why it's fun to discuss what we think if this happened, but it's hard to figure out because like how good is Justin Fields by the time you go to play Chicago is a question we won't know the answer to. Is Aaron Rodgers the quarterback by the time you play the Green Bay Packers? We don't know the answer to that. All we know is that the Lions are probably not going to be very good. And beyond that, it's like we don't even know the quarterback situations. And the same thing goes for San Francisco, where I think it's reasonable to believe that Jimmy Garoppolo could still be the quarterback of San Francisco and they might be a a good team right neck and neck with Seattle for that division at the time that the Vikings go to play them. So I, I just think, is there any other one that that one, the minus seven at San Francisco really stuck out because I thought, well, tell me what San Francisco you're facing at that point. Is it Trey Lance, San Francisco, where he's learning how to take a snap under center? Or is it the San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo? Were there any others that stuck out to you on, um, you know, the Westgate Sportsbook here? N- not particularly. Let me let me address those two that you just brought up. I I kind of love San Francisco this year because I, I don't think a lot of people are going to take into account just how much bad injury luck they had last year and still went seven and nine. And people are going to overlook Garoppolo because he's a depreciating asset and he's been involved in trade talks. I just think that Shanahan's a good coach. And I think that Garoppolo is like a fine quarterback to win you football games, not phenomenal, kind of Kirk like a little bit. Better than Kirk in a few ways, worse than him in other ways. Probably a little more end-of-game swagger, though, which I appreciate. Um, And they're going to get so much back. It's going to be unbelievable. I I like San Francisco a lot. Baltimore worries me because I'm still waiting for Jackson to sort of suffer that first big injury. I don't wish harm upon him. I don't. He's better for the league when he's healthy. I just worry about that happening. Hope it doesn't. Um, I love that offensive line that they've kind of added to with Villanueva. And uh, Ben Cleveland, the big fella playing guard, I think that's going to be awesome. So I like I like Baltimore a lot, and that I think is just a tough place to play. Vikings have some ghosts there as well for whatever reason because they play there once every eight years, but they're seemingly cursed. Um, but then I think those are the two biggest lines. I don't think there's more than seven anywhere else on the schedule, home or away. Oh, actually, I take that back. Detroit. Detroit, Detroit is uh, minus eight or eight and a half at home. Dan Campbell wants to own a lion, an actual lion. I think like, he was like for the team, right? Like yeah. a pet lion. Yeah, I think he was kidding, but I'm not 100 percent sure he was kidding. I don't. So, yeah, I think he's he's probably serious. Uh, this week there are no um, OTAs that are open to us, but next week there will be. 
Just real quick before we wrap up, and this will be a further discussion with Brad Spielberger when we talk to him from PFF. Um, I think Daniil Hunter is going to be there. No. I also say no. I would wager a sizable amount of money at Westgate on that <laughs> one. I, I think uh, the Vikings will have similar attendance to what we've been seeing around the league, which sounds like around 70. I mean, we're, there's about 30 already that are kind of in that rookie, you know, that either rookie boat or like the fledgling, like second year player that are probably locks. And then you're going to have a lot of the fringe guys there too. I think of, of the 10 to 20 that don't show up, probably a lot of veterans, um, which they're, they're probably pretty secure. Now there will be a couple that are interesting. Like we, we might point to, I'm trying to think of a good example, but you know, if someone like Ezra Cleveland didn't show up, that that would seem a little strange to me. If someone like, um, oh gosh, who, Troy Die, you know, like like those guys that feel like they have a place on the team but need a lot of work, um, I think that would be interesting and, and a little bit puzzling. But I suspect that a lot are there, not Daniil, for sure not Daniil, and probably not Brian O'Neill, you know, because of his contract negotiations too. Mm. No, that's a good point. Or maybe he's doing the Anthony Barr and he's going to get insurance before he works out that contract. That is that is a deadlock for me. Lock, put this down, Westgate. The first day of training camp, Brian O'Neill announces his new contract extension. That will happen. So, um, all right, Sam, good stuff. Enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, this week is kind of for fun discussions because we will have OTAs to talk about the next three weeks after that. And then we've got mini camp as well. So a lot to discuss with the Vikings still. So I appreciate your time. And, uh, and I enjoyed golf today. It was good. It was a little windy out there. We were playing next to a firing range, which was weird. And I've never done that before, but, uh, it's a good time. Yeah, it was. I pictured. Oh, just cut it off. Cut it off after that. Cut it off after your dog in the back. All right. (laughs) 